Well, it's getting colder out there. That means it's time to winterize your RV. And that means you need to know how to maintain and care for your RV during those winter months. And we're going to talk about that, tell you everything you need to know coming up in this episode of the RV Podcast. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 370 of the RV Podcast. I'm Mike Wendland, and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. Hello, my dear. Hello, Mike. Well, we winterized our RV this past week, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty wise move because uh, we winterized it last Wednesday, uh, and every single night up until tonight... Uh, the temperature went down into the low 30s, upper 20s. So I'm glad we did that. It was time. There was ice on the bird feeder. We took both for a walk in a local park, and there was ice forming on the pond. Yep. And uh, now it's warmed up. It's warmed up for a few days in the upper Midwest, where we happen to be coming to you from this week. But uh, it is that time. We're going to have a great interview with our friend Mark Polk. I don't think there's anybody anywhere in the RV industry that knows more about maintaining and caring uh, for an RV and is more devoted to passionately educating uh, people about uh, RV maintenance. And that's Mark Polk, who with his wife, Dawn, published RV Education 101. And uh, we'll meet uh, Mark and it's going to be a, you're going to want to bookmark this episode and you're also going to want to share it because we're going to talk not just about winterizing an RV, but about caring for it and maintaining it, which is just as important as putting that antifreeze down. It is. So I don't know. I still not used to it being cold though. <laughs> well, better get used to it. Yeah, it is. It is very cold. Um, a couple of things to, to talk about if uh, you are interested in winterizing, we're going to have links to everything Mark says, a transcript of his interview, all that stuff. You'll find that in the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at RVLifestyle.com. Speaking of which, we are so excited about RVLifestyle.com because we have a brand new website. It has been totally redesigned. We've worked really hard on it. We've had a team of developers and programmers uh, on this since last when did we start? I think it was August, August when we started yeah. working on it. Maybe even J July. Might have early stuff in July, maybe. Uh, so it's uh, it's great. But it's out. It's out live now. We urge you to go check it out, rvlifestyle.com. And uh, as always, our podcast is, uh, there's also a video version of this podcast, which you'll find on our YouTube RV Lifestyle channel. And so we urge you to check that out. And let us know what you think of it. Yeah, please do. Any suggestions that you have, uh, we're pretty excited about. We think it looks really good. And uh, we hope uh, hope you guys do too. Also, uh, there's another week to go. This episode is uh, being released on uh, November 10th, 2021. So there's four more, four days left, if you're listening to it right then, to get in on our latest uh, giveaway sweepstakes, in which we're uh, giving away a $500 Camping World gift certificate. 
And uh, with Christmas coming up, that's uh, that's just a that's just a great time to, to take advantage of that. Five hundred bucks, it's free to enter, and you just go to rvlifestyle.com/sweepstakes, and you'll uh, you'll be able to enter as many times as you want. That's a great gift. That is a great gift. What would you get if you had five hundred dollars at Camping World? Oh boy, probably some new chairs. Uh, I'm sure there's something there I could find. Yeah, I still am looking at those little gas. Uh, fire, pits. fire pits. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll do one of those. Uh, you can't quite buy a new RV with that, but <laughs> I could buy some cool gadgets. So, uh, pretty, pretty neat. Um, we have some comments that we wanted uh, to read. And, uh, uh, the first one is, uh, this one came from, um, a reader named Karen B and, uh, do you want to, uh, share what Karen had to say? Uh, with, yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. It says, she starts off with, my husband and I are new to RVing as of this year. We purchased our first RV in June, a C-Class Motorhome 2021 with a 3500 Mercedes-Benz chassis. We are avid YouTube watchers these days to uh, find information or on just about anything we are doing for the first time. That's how we found you too. We love your channel and love hearing about all the great places you have traveled to in the United States. I think we may have something in common as we may be close in age and we both are retired. We are not living full time in our RV. When we first purchased our RV, we did have some mechanical issues with the slide out and Murphy bed. We got these issues fixed at a local RV dealer. So far, these are the only major issues we've had to work through. We look forward to traveling to some of the places you've been to, and your YouTube channel will help us to do just that. Things I'm interested in, hearing about how you, number one, planning longer trips A to Z on how you do that, and B, simple, easy meals that you might plan while traveling in your RV. Well, we can do that. We uh, we do have a video already up on mm-hmm. uh, how we use um, we use a combination of books and maps, paper maps, and online maps and online guides, and a couple of really cool programs and apps uh, to. And you can find that right now on our RV Lifestyle channel. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, there is a, a pretty good video about how we plan for a trip. Mm-hmm. And you have several recipes that you've shared about make-ahead meals that you do. Yeah, whatever you enjoy eating, if you can cook food ahead of time and put it in a container that maybe you can toss or one that you can reuse, that'll save you a lot of work, a lot of time. And then there's, of course, just the obvious things like grilling and trying to cook as much as possible outside. But that trying to prepare at home before you go is a good idea. And when you hit a store that you like, that you like the meat, you know, I, Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, or there's a lot of stores out there that you uh, you like to buy food from. Buy it, freeze it, and have it handy. And package things like two burgers or one piece of chicken, if that's enough for a meal. You've got to think and plan ahead. And uh, that planning ahead makes it so easy because it's it's fun to cook out in the road, but uh, you know, out in the on the you know when you're traveling. But uh, it's so nice because you don't have to work quite as hard. Um, you, Jen does all of the meal preparation. I don't think she trusts me to cook because. <laughs> 
We'd probably eat just potato chips and salsa. <laughs> yes, salsa with potato chips. It's not bad. Try it. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be telling people that. We do have another recipe uh, video that we were working on. Uh, one of them, one of the things she makes is this awesome blueberry muffin. You're always talking about those blueberry muffins. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Well, if somebody tries when them, they'll fresh. talk about them, too. Fresh from the oven. Fresh from the oven. You put the butter on it, and it melts. We got that. And you make a mean beef barbecue. Yeah. And that's an easy thing to make up ahead of time and put enough for like two of those beef barbecues in a container and stick it in the freezer. Easy meal. Now, this week you're going to make chili. And Jen got a, it's just a traditional chili, but you make a really good chili. And I'm thinking we should put that in the video too so we could have three recipes. If you'd it. like to do that, I'd like to do it so I can get some chili. That's what know? I was thinking. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that was nice to hear from Karen, and uh, we're, we're working on giving you more of all that stuff. And what he likes about chili is when I make chili, we'll put it on a baked potato mm -hmm. with some other toppings, or I'll put it on a salad, and you like that a lot. I do. And then just, you just know, a plain bowl, bowl of chili, chili is a really nice one, especially, especially when as it's getting cool. cold. When yep. the weather's cold outside. All right, next up we have a tip, a video tip. This was sent in to us by our friend Andy Larimore. And uh, this is for those of you who have the stinky slinkies, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, we have a macerator on ours, so we just have a little hose and it's much neater than those big old stinky pretty things. Pretty good size. Yeah. Some of them. But they can get kind of hard when you have to put an extension. So Andy sent in this from Andrew, Andrew Larimore. Hi, Mike and Jen. I thought I'd send in a quick RV tip. This is Andy from Massachusetts. And when we travel, uh, one of the big problems I have is with the stinky slinky. Trying to get these connections, you can't really grip them too well. Well, another RV I suggested these. What these are, are oil change for your oil filter. You can buy them at Harbor Freight. I think I paid $6 for them. And it allows you to grip this. You just open the, the channel lock up to the right size and you grip it and it gives you a good extra grip and it opens right up and you can snap them right together again. So that's my tip. Hope you use it. Bye. Well, there you go. Just a simple tool will make a nasty job. Not so nasty. Yeah, it's still nasty, though. It is. All right. Hey, when we come back, we are going to talk about everything you need to know about winterizing your RV and taking care of it during the winter seasons when you're not using it and maintaining it. Uh, Mark Polk from RV Education 101 will be our guest, and you will not want to miss this interview coming up. Whether you're staying close to home or wheeling across the country, RVers need the best value in medical coverage. Peace of mind for RVs.com has a Medicare enrollment specialist with 16 years of experience and can tailor your Medicare plan selection with the choices that matter most to you. So you can keep your doctors and make sure your prescriptions and medical care are covered wherever you travel. Peace of mind for RVs.com will help you get the most out of your Medicare coverage, choose just the right options, and they can even get you squared away with all the things that Medicare may not cover, like specialized emergency transportation coverage, air ambulance coverage, dental, vision, hearing, all at the best bang for the buck and tailored specifically for the RV lifestyle. You can find out more and get all your questions answered by going to peaceofmindforrvs.com. That's peaceofmindforrvs.com. 
When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gas. Just check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for the interview of the week. And our topic uh, is uh, what you need to know to, to maintain and care for your RV during the winter season. And I'm really excited because uh, one of our friends is our interview guest, Mark Polk. And Mark and Dawn, his wife, are two of our friends who we enjoy crossing paths with as we're out there traveling around the country. And I know you're going to love this interview. Mark and Dawn have um, been doing this now for more than two decades, and they have educated RV consumers, millions of them, really. Uh, they started off back in the VHS tape days. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And then they moved to DVDs and now it's streaming videos and downloads, uh, paperback books, electronic books, uh, seminars, television shows, newsletters. Uh, I don't think uh, there's any other expert who is uh, more attuned to what uh, everyday RVers need to know. And uh, Mark and Don are part of uh, RV Education 101. We'll put a link to their uh, their sites right uh, in the in the description below. We're very honored to have uh, Mark Polk as our guest this week and to tap into his vast knowledge. Juan, Mark, it is always great to see you, and especially on a topic like this where we can tap into your expertise. Yeah, long time no see, Mike. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. We're slowly getting back on the uh, on the RV show circuit again. Uh, yeah. So that's where we normally see you and Don, yeah. uh, your wife Don, and your partner, a business partner. Uh, so it's kind of good to see you this way if I can't see you in person. Yeah. We're talking about uh, taking care of your RV in the off-season, in the winter months. And I guess the first step is winterizing. And I know the most common question I get from people is, uh, when do we winterize? So let's start off with that. Maybe we can get some advice okay. from, from All right. Well. Something I want to clarify right from the beginning is um, uh, when people say winterize their RV, most people think about um, protecting the plumbing system from from potentially freezing and, and bursting and causing all kinds of damage. When I say winterize, I like to include the entire RV. So we're talking about winterizing the plumbing system, and we're also talking about what measures you can take to protect other components on the RV during cold weather. Right. And that's, that's why I'm so glad to get you on here because normally I do the same thing. I just tell everybody, put some antifreeze in your plumbing system, but there really is a lot more to it than that. Especially, am I right? Uh, if you keep your RV in one place all the time, sort of in storage, whether your driveway or somewhere else. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, so, 
to first of all, uh, when you when you're talking about protecting the plumbing system, a lot of people choose to just uh, use compressed air. They drain the water out of the plumbing system. They connect an air compressor to the city water outlet, and then they they just blow compressed air through the system at about 40 psi, 30, 35 psi, and and then you evacuate the majority of the the water from the the RV plumbing system, and then they call that done. But I I when I was 16 years old, I was winterizing RVs in Pennsylvania, in North Central Pennsylvania. So I learned how from from a uh, master certified RV technician back then, and he said the only way you winterize the plumbing system on an RV is to use propylene glycol or RV marine antifreeze. He said if you just blow air through the system, there's a couple components on the RV that are going to hold water regardless of, of pushing the air through so you have like a flush valve in the toilet that holds a small amount of water, just a little bit of water, and it's plastic. So if you blow the air through and that doesn't get that water out and then it drops below 32 degrees and stays there for a few hours, that little bit of water is going to freeze. It doesn't take much, and then it's going to expand and break that plastic. So you've got a couple components on the RV like that that you have to be concerned about. And the way to eliminate that is just just do, uh, winterize with antifreeze, RV antifreeze. Now, do, do you still recommend blowing out the uh, the system and getting all that water out of the paint and then putting the antifreeze in? There's nothing wrong with using it, using an air compressor to evacuate as much water as possible. I don't even do that, though. I just I drain all the water. I drain the water out of the freshwater holding tank. I drain the water. I open the low point drains, the hot and cold low point drains, and just open all the faucets. And then I turn the water pump on and let it push as much water as it can get out. You don't need to be concerned about the plumbing system freezing if you evacuate 90% of the water and then add antifreeze. It's going to be okay. Now, if you just if you don't evacuate any water and just push some antifreeze through the system, then you, you you're going to have some issues. If you're in a, uh, an area in the country where the temperature drops below 32 degrees and stays there for a long well not a short period of time, even okay. Now, do you um, recommend putting antifreeze in the freshwater tank at all? No, no, I don't. Good. I Good. drain, just, I drain yeah, the freshwater tank. I get as much water out as I can, and if there's a little bit of water in the bottom, which there usually is because the drain valve is higher than the bottom of the tank, that's that's not going to – if it freezes, it's not going to cause any problems. Um, next Now, next spring, I recommend after you dewinterize, get all the antifreeze out of the system, that you sanitize the water system. But, no, you, you I do not put antifreeze in the fresh water holding tank. What I do, what I do is now a lot of RVs today have winterization kits built in where all you have to do is move the valve to winterize, put it in the antifreeze and let the water pump suck it into the the water system. I, I do it old school. I disconnect the inlet side of the water pump. I just disconnect that line 
and I, and I connect a fitting that has a clear plastic hose that I can just put down in the antifreeze. I turn the water pump on and just go to each faucet, hot and cold water. Of course, you bypass the water heater, so you don't fill your water heater with 6, 10, or 12 gallons right. of antifreeze. And then you just open each faucet until you see the pink antifreeze flowing through the, the faucet and then move through everything. I, it, make sure you do everything that holds water to include outside showers, the the, the showers, kitchen sink, bathroom sink, uh, ice makers, anything that actually holds water on the RV needs to be winterized. Now, that uh, system you just talked about with the water pump, most RV stores sell that as like a little bike pass kit that you can you can buy. And a converter, it, yeah, a water it, yeah. pump converter kit. You you If you don't have one, you can add a water pump converter kit, and then it's just a matter of turning one valve, and then that's ready to, to pull it. And you have a little hose. You put that in the antifreeze. Uh, we've, we've done it that way and then through the, the system on our new RV. Uh, and obviously, every RV is a little different. Follow the instructions. Before we leave antifreeze, okay. what is the temperature? I mean, it, it, people think, oh, my gosh, it's going to get 32. i got to winterize tonight. How cold does it have to be for a sustained period of time? before you really have to winterize well when it when the temperature reaches 32 degrees of course that's freezing 32 degrees fahrenheit that is freezing but it's not going to freeze the water in the in the plumbing system solid enough to where it expands ruptures and causes problems unless it's going to be below freezing for six or more hours so if, you, if it's going to drop below freezing and it's going to stay there all night, you you might have some concerns next morning. And, of course, if you're in the RV with some heat, generally that helps a little bit too, right? That'll that'll definitely help. But what you need to be aware of in that situation is, is the plumbing above the floor level or is it below floor level in the basement? And then you need to you know consider is there an underbelly, uh, is the underbelly enclosed and, and you know, keeping the wind and stuff from reaching the, the plumbing components. So, you know, if you have all your plumbing above floor level and you have your furnace running, you'll have no problems whatsoever. But now if your plumbing, some of your plumbing is below floor level, if you don't have a heated basement, then you need to be concerned about that. Good, good advice. Well, let's let's go on to uh, that's as you said at the beginning. That's only part of the procedure. Yes. What are the uh, other ways we need to have our RV ready and prepared and taken care of for the winter? Well, it, very quickly, what I do is I start by just washing the exterior of the RV, cleaning the interior of the RV, and I remove any perishables or anything that can freeze that you don't want to freeze. You get all of that out, anything that would attract mice or other rodents, you want to get that out. So you clean the interior thoroughly. Um, you, If the freezer needs to be defrosted, you defrost the freezer, clean your refrigerator really good, leave the doors propped open. And then um, what I, the components I worry about are tires, batteries, the generator, and then are you storing the RV outside or is it being stored in indoors? 
So there's a big difference because if it's outside, now you have to be worried about all the the elements um, harming your RV's exterior, the sun, the, the rain, the snow, the wind. So you have to take precautions like getting your tires up off the ground on some type of blocking, and the blocking needs to be larger than the footprint of the tire so you don't damage your tires. So uh, the sun can damage the rubber on the tires. That's one of the biggest problems with RVs. They don't get used a lot, and the tires might look okay, but they're damaged from the, the sun and UV rays. And uh, sitting in one place with all that weight on sitting one spot in one of the place tire. for a long period of time. If it's damaged from the sun, you'll you'll start to notice small cracks in the sidewall of the tire. If you see that, that's that you need to have it, the tires uh, inspected by a professional would be my recommendation before driving on them. But the way to prevent all this is to get tire covers. If the if the RV is being stored outside. Cover the tires, get the tires up off the ground, and then um, you can eliminate issues with your tires. I like to tell people to fill the tire to the max um, amount of air that's on the sidewall of the tire because during storage, tires will lose air. They'll, it'll lose air pressure during while it sits in storage. So you fill it to the max, cover them, and get them off the ground, and then they're protected. All right. Batteries. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the tires, getting them off the ground on a big piece of wood wider than the tire. Yes, right? wider than the footprint okay. of the tire. So Got it. the width and, and the length, you want that to be wider. But like a, a couple of two-by-sixes, two-by-eights, something like that. Yep, two-by-eights okay. would work well. Um, there's some of those uh, products on the marketplace, like Lynx Levelers. Those. Oh yeah, the little Lego box. Yes. Box. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can build a uh, you can build a small platform. You, when a tire is on the ground, moisture is a concern. And if you're say you're parked on asphalt, any petroleum-based product is a concern for tires. So. If it's outside beside your garage or if it's on the driveway and the driveway is asphalt, you definitely want to get it up off the ground. Concrete's better than than most surfaces for the uh-huh. tires. So Before we get to batteries, uh, just briefly, covers. Do you recommend a cover for an RV that's, that's stored outdoors? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and not one of the tarps that you get at you know, the home improvement store. You want to get a good quality RV cover. Um, I personally would recommend ADCO. Um, that's covers that I've used in the past and had real success with. You want to make sure the cover is sized for your RV and the type of RV that you have. They're, they actually make them. Some some are made custom made for you know a 28 foot Class C motorhome or a 32 foot um, Type A motorhome. And then you want to make sure you follow the installation instructions to the T because wind and stuff can damage a cover if it's not tied down properly. One one other bit of advice I would I would offer on a, an RV cover is you want one that's breathable. So the fabric is actually breathable. It'll let it'll let the air and wind go through the cover and that will prevent mold and mildew and all those kinds of issues. Great, great advice. All right, let's talk about batteries. 
Okay, batteries are batteries are a big one. I think out of everything we deal with on RVs, batteries would be my number one problem that I see with people. I actually see people replace batteries on their RV every year because they're not maintained properly, and a lot of that's during storage. If you live in a region of the country where it's cold outside, batteries that aren't charged, fully charged, can freeze. They, they freeze, and it destroys the battery. The other issue is when batteries sit in storage, they if they're not fully charged, they begin to build up a sulfate material on the lead plates. When that sulfate crystallizes, it can't be put back in as an active, active, uh, you know, uh, plate that holds a charge. Yeah. It can't be active material back in the battery again. So the, the big thing is if you're going to leave the, the batteries in the RV, you need to make sure they're fully charged and then batteries, just like tires lose air pressure, batteries lose voltage as they sit in storage. So you might start with a, tw- a, a battery that's 12.6 volts, and you come out and check it in a month, and it's down to 12.4. And that's at a dangerous, that's at a dangerous voltage where it needs to be recharged. So you have two, a- two okay, uh, just two related questions about batteries. Uh, is this advice for both lithium and AGM, which is AGM still probably the most common, but is it different with lithium? Well, lead, acid, lead the- acid is most most RVers today still use lead acid batteries because it's more cost effective, but there's more maintenance required. So lead acid batteries will freeze. Uh, lithium batteries can't tolerate cold weather that well. So, you know, there's precautions that need to be taken with those as well. You either keep them charged or you take them out of the RV. If the RV is going to be in storage for four months or, you know, six months, take the batteries out, put them in an area where it's it's warmer, where they they won't freeze, and then just check them every now and then and, and recharge them. I use a product called the Battery Minder, which is another brand that people might be aware of. It's a battery tender. But what it, it's just a small device, and you can connect it to your RV batteries and just leave it and not worry about it. It will not overcharge the batteries. It won't cause any problems. Uh, what, the, what it does is it actually charges, it conditions the batteries, and it maintains the batteries. So if that sulfate material starts to build up on the plates, it actually sends out an electronic pulse that breaks that sulfate material down back into active plate material. And I put it on a two-amp charge and just let it go. And it sits there for – it can stay there for two months with no problem at all. you got to have electricity, though. Yeah. Uh, what if you have a, a, a 30 amp supply, a 50 amp supply where you park the RV? Is it all right to leave that plugged in all the time during storage? I wouldn't recommend all the time. Um, again, if you have lead acid batteries, flooded lead acid batteries, if you leave it plugged in all the time, if if the battery charger in the RV is not a three stage charger, it'll overcharge the battery and then it will start to basically boil out 
the acid and water, and then you, your water level goes down. And if you're not checking that, the battery's damaged beyond repair. So I say eight hours once a week. Just plug it in, let it let it sit for eight, twelve hours, and then unplug it. If you you know that will keep your batteries topped off, and and you won't have to worry about uh, damage. But again, if it's a lead acid battery, you have to keep an eye on the water level in the battery because if you let that go next spring, you're going to be buying new batteries. Can lithium be left plugged in all the time? You could leave a lithium battery plugged in because a lithium battery has a, a battery management system built right in the battery. Ah. So if it if it overcharges or undercharges, they'll shut. It'll shut off. the The management system will shut the battery down, um, so it won't damage the battery, and you can recharge it. You know, at some point, when you realize that it's shut off or shut down, you can just recharge it, and it'll be fine. What about the inverter when it's in storage, off or on? Uh, again, I think if you if you leave it on, you're going to be charging the batteries more than they probably need. So turn it off. Yeah, turn it on when you come back in. Now, if you have a if you have one of those maintainers I just mentioned, like the battery minder or a battery tender. You can leave that on for forever. Uh, it will not overcharge batteries, and it'll keep them topped off. Uh, okay. But if it's a lead-acid battery, you got to check the water levels. You have to check yeah, the water. All right. all right. We've talked about winterizing the plumbing system. We've talked about storage and tires and batteries. Uh, what other things do we need to be aware of when we uh, put our RV away for a few months? Well, if it's a motorized RV... Uh, then you have not only the the house concerns, but now you have you know the, an engine and the transmission and and all of that to worry about. So you want to make sure that the antifreeze in the engine is is at the proper level, and don't get the two antifreezes mixed up. You have ethylene yeah. glycol that's used in automotive antifreeze, and that's toxic to humans and pets. Then you have propylene glycol. That's a food grade, which is used to winterize a plumbing system. So you want to make sure the antifreeze level and condition is in good shape in the engine, in the radiator. Um, I personally think you should go out there and start the engine at least once a week and let it run for a few minutes. Um, If there's any critters out that are trying to make the home up in the engine compartment, that will run them off, plus it'll help circulate some oil through the engine and lubricate all the, the internal components. And, of course, being in the RV, you're going to notice that uh, you're, you're, if anything's wrong, you're going to be able to see that and, and, and take care of it that way. Uh, I, I like that point about, uh, about going out there once a week running the engine. What about the generator? Do we still exercise our generators during during the storage time? Absolutely. Um, Two concerns with a generator. One is if you let fuel sit in, especially a carbureted generator, if you let fuel sit in the carburetor for as little as four months without starting that and letting it run, that, that, fuel will start to break down and it turn like get gummy like a tar consistency 
And next spring, it either won't start at all, or if it does start, it will have that uh, surging where it's not running properly. And your chances are you're going to have to take it in, have somebody remove the carburetor, clean it, and try to put it back on and see if that solves the problem. So you can either, um, two two ways to protect that would be to, one would be to install a a fuel shutoff valve in the fuel line, in line, and then you can turn the fuel off and let the generator run until it completely runs out of fuel, and that, that will help. If you don't have that as an option, you can just get a fuel stabilizer product like Stabil, fill the, the motorhome tank up or the generator if it's a portable generator, add your stabilizer for the amount of fuel that, that's in it, and then run that through the system. And that will protect it all winter long, and next spring you won't have any issues. But a generator should be exercised as well. So once a month... Uh, once every two months, you should probably start the generator and you want to run a half rated load minimum or more. So if it's a 4,000 watt generator, you want to try to run about 2000 watts of, of, uh, whatever it is, a couple portable heaters or whatever it takes to get that 2000 watts and just let it run the longer, the better. I mean, you can let it run three, four hours. I, I would say two hours minimum, but the longer the better. Generators are made to run with a load on them. Gotcha. Well, Mark, uh, this has been uh, just really helpful for so many folks who are out there. Uh, and we've just scratched uh, the surface yeah. of one part of your great education, RV Education 101. And we'll put links to all of your products behind you. It looks like we got some DVDs. <laughs> books, a huge resource of articles. How, how many years have you been doing this, Mark? At 23. This in November makes 23 years. Well, uh, that's, uh, I don't know of anybody with more industry and maintenance and uh, RV education know-how than Mark Polk. And it's been our honor to have you on the podcast. And uh, we'll be back and we'll talk in spring about what do we do when it's time to wake up the RV. Okay, that sounds good, Mike. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I know that you were able to get some helpful hints from listening to Mark, and I hope you you took notes and wrote things down so you can remember how to better care for your RV during the winter. I've actually made it pretty easy for him because on the blog, we, uh, we had a transcription done of the interview with Mark. And we put in some of the links that Mark shared, some of the products he talked about. And you'll find that at uh, rvlifestyle.com. Just go there. Uh, and if you're watching this uh, this podcast version on YouTube, uh, we'll put a link to that blog post with uh, all the information from our show notes. It'll be right in the description on YouTube. So uh, you've got no excuse not to be able to follow through on that great advice that Mark got. Uh, Mark gave us there. All right. When we come back, we've got RV news and then your questions and uh, much more coming up as the RV podcast. Episode 370 continues. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. 
And Battleborn batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back, everybody. Time now for the RV News of the Week, in which Jennifer and I share some of the stories that caught our attention this week. How about you, my dear? What, what was the one that got your mind? Well, going? something very exciting. that Our border is open, and Canadian RVers who want to winter in southern states or in the states can come in now. And by all reports, oh my goodness, are they coming in. Uh, over the weekend, there were reports. Did you see all those reports from Canada? That uh, yeah, what, what was Alberta? The campground was filled. People were there, ready. From, from Eleven miles around the border, every <laughs> campground was filled. They were all waiting to pour in. And I know the same thing was true in Ontario as it uh, bordered into uh, New York. Uh, Montreal's Quebec border was was busy, as was uh, up uh, on the Blue Water Bridge side of uh, of Michigan. Up by Port Huron, Michigan. What is it? Isn't it like one out of every 10 Canadians come to the States? Yeah, they come to Florida. (laughs) That's one out of every 10 Canadian citizens. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's 3.6 million Canadians officially visited Florida last year. Uh, Actually, the the last year before the pandemic. And that works out to something like one in every 10. But do we know how many snowbirds there really are? No, they uh, nobody. There's nobody that officially has uh, counted that up, but we know there. Well, there's quite a few. How there's many? There's a Snowbird Association, mm-hmm. and I've and they guess that something like nine hundred thousand snowbirds go into uh, the U.S., uh, the southern states, uh, Southwest, some into Mexico. But I've seen other estimates up as high as a couple million. Yeah, I was going to say I think there's more than nine hundred thousand. So, so this is the week. Monday was the day that it that it opened, and um, the effect is amazing. Florida says they're all filled. Yeah, <laughs> all the parks are filled. In all Florida. the parks are filled. Uh, but the Canadians they built bring in millions of dollars. But they've actually been coming in even before this. And I found we met a couple up in uh, in Louisiana mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. And they were Ontario. They found a loophole. They found this loophole. And they weren't the only ones who've no. been doing this. No. Um, there's this service, this company, it was called Transport KMC. I don't know what the KMC stands for. But um, they would, uh, if you're an RVer and you wanted to come into the U.S. in your RV, because remember you could fly in from Canada. You couldn't, if you had proof of vaccination, you could fly in. You just couldn't come across the land border. So what they did is uh, their customers would pay uh, as much as 500 bucks a ticket, uh, Canadian money, uh, to get an airplane ticket. And then that company would take their RV and they could drive it across the border under some uh, commerce rule that they had. And uh, that was a $1,000 fee for that, uh, the airfare, uh, and about 2,000 people in the last year have used that service to, to kind of get around that. What would happen is they would get on a plane 
and they would fly to this little town in Pennsylvania and they would be met at the airport by a representative from that company who had uh, driven, transported their RV across the border. Anyway, the couple we met, they spent something like a couple thousand, two thousand bucks uh, to get in, but they wanted to make sure they had a park. And I hope they well, they own property in the states, and they yep. didn't see their property last year, and they wanted to see it this year. You can't blame them for that. And, and then other companies would you could fly directly into say you you had a, you were going to Florida, so you flew into Palm Beach or Lauderdale or Miami or Tampa, and they would drive your RV across the border under that commercial thing, and they would some people paid as much as forty five hundred dollars for that. So Canadians have been coming in and Canadian RVers have been coming in, but now you can drive across in your own RV just to have to have the proof of vaccination. That's a good story. Well, that is an interesting story where there's a will, there's a way. The story that, that got my attention ha- is a continuing story about the supply chain problems. We were uh, at a dealership in Western Michigan last week and it, we just heard again how, how long the, the delay is to get new RVs from some companies, some of them now as long as three years. But there was an interesting story out of Colorado that we saw that focused on a company. You may have heard of the company called Kelty. Mm -hmm. They sell uh, backpacks and sleeping bags and outdoor supplies. Well, they've been warning customers that their prices are going up significantly because they too are are facing these supply chain uh, crunches. Uh, A camping chair, I mean, I don't know how much that went up. But it went up $30 from 109 to 139 they're predicting. That's a big jump. Uh, and again, so many goods are stuck on ships uh, off the, the West Coast. Um, there's that national truck driver shortage. Um, companies are having to raise prices. We all know that. We're all seeing that. Uh, and it's uh, it's a big one. So, um you know, if you're going to do some shopping, uh, you can get you that $500 certificate we're giving away for Camping World. Order stuff now because uh, it's going to be tight at Christmas. Uh, also, don't forget to order merch. See our merch, our cool new, you know, hoodies, sweatshirts. Uh, we got, we'll put a link, but we can still get those out too. But everything, even our, our merch store, we need to, sh- we need to get everything shipped out. It's much earlier this year. Usually you could order right up until almost Christmas Eve. But. Well, since I haven't done any shopping so far this year, what do you think What do you think the kids would think if everybody got our T-shirts and merch? <laughs> I don't think they'd like that very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, but anyway, hey, kids, look at Grandma and Grandpa gave you a, a hoodie with our lifestyle on it. Oh, well, uh, what are we going to do? Okay. Hey, uh, when we come back, we will have lots, much more, lots more for you. Uh, we'll look at the, uh, at the questions of the week. Have you had it with overbooked, overcrowded campgrounds? Then check out Harvest Hosts, where RVers can overnight for free at more than 2,400 wineries, farms, microbreweries, golf courses, and attractions. Harvest Host is a membership service for those with self-contained RVs looking for unique, beautiful, and peaceful overnight camping experiences across North America. When you become a member of Harvest Host, you can camp for free at all these places. 
Jennifer and I are Harvest Host members, and we've made so many great memories at Harvest Host locations. There's no charge for camping, and your Harvest Host membership fee is easily made up with just a couple of stays. Plus, you have awesome places to stay. If you use our special affiliate link of rvlifestyle.com slash HH, you'll automatically get 15% off the cost of your membership. That's 15% off, but you must use the special link, rvlifestyle.com slash HH. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the RV questions of the week. Mike, why don't you do the first one? All right. First one comes from a reader named Mary Donaldson, and she says, do you ever get questioned about Bose, Bose, our dog, uh, vaccine records? Well, so far we haven't, but we always carry his current shot record with us. If you're going to board him at a daycare, board him overnight, you need that record. You have to have the record to show everybody. But at parks, so far, nobody has asked to see proof of vaccination and all of his papers, but we carry, I usually carry two copies. Uh, We have seen parks that say you should have the records, but nobody's ever asked us. Nobody's asked us yet. 10 years of doing this, we've never been asked. So there's always a first. But you want to carry them. Uh, you're also supposed to have them if you cross the border. Now mm-hmm. that we can go back and forth to Canada. But, you know, we've gone back to Canada dozens and dozens of times we've crossed over. And we've never been asked there either. And they see Bo because he's right up. Yeah. He sees me talking to somebody at the window. He thinks he's going to get a he treat. He thinks he's going to get a treat. <laughs> so, but they've never he said, yeah, vaccination papers for that dog. They, but, but we carry them always. And, and that's just good to, to do in case the, your pet becomes sick. You know, I carry a copy of his records in our RV. I carry a copy in our car and I have a copy in his overnight bag. <laughs> so we have lots of records, yeah. but always good to have. What other questions we got this week? Well, we've got a question uh, from Jared. He says, I work from the road in my RV and need some security cameras. What is a good one to use? Well, um, surprisingly, the one that I hear most RVers talk about is the ring. Uh, the ring camera, you know, most people have, a, uh, you're familiar with the doorbell one that has a little camera on the doorbell, but there's also one called the ring stick-up camera. Costs 99 bucks. I'll put a link in the, in the uh, description and in the show notes. But it's a pretty nice little camera. Um, you, you know, um, you need Wi-Fi. So you got to have a, a way to have Wi-Fi. Uh, there's a monthly fee because it stores all the videos and stuff on the cloud. And it's pretty reasonable. It's something like 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks a year. Uh, the stick-on camera is wireless, so you don't have to drill any holes. Um, it's weatherproof, so if you put it outside, it, it, you know, it can get wet if it has to. It's, it's uh, motion-activated, and you can set the sensitivity. So if somebody comes up to your RV, uh, it will activate and record. But the neat thing is, is then it sends an alert to your phone, which you tap, and then you can see that video. But wait, it gets even cooler, because then you can then say, get away from there, or what are you doing here? <laughs> And it, so it has two-way audio, which is which is really neat. Uh, has night vision, uh, and it's powered by a battery pack. They say that that battery pack lasts a year. Um, if it's real cold out, you know, no battery is going to last as long as it would if it's you know temperate. 
Um, but you can also get a, a solar charging uh, thing for it too, if you want. So you could put some a little solar charger on the side of your RV or however you want to hook it up. Uh, I've seen some RVers who just have it and they uh, leave it on the inside and then they put it out at night. Others have it, they stick it on uh, when they get to a campground with uh, that hook and loop tape or whatever you want. There's lots of ways to mount it. But uh, 100 bucks. Uh, some people have multiple ones. If you got a big camera, they got one in the front, both sides, you know, uh, and a couple inside. With more people working from the road, it makes sense to have a camera, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I was wondering about if people had more than one because you'd have to one camera you can just see one side. No, you still you get you get alerted, but you know you yeah. can bring up a little uh, multiple screens if you want. Oh yeah, they also they also work with uh, I think Alexa. So, okay. so Alexa was like, I'm picturing this great big central control inside your ring. That's kind of what I'm kind of thinking. That'd be kind of fun, you know, you know, uh, but people have told me they've seen deer and bear running through their campgrounds at night. I don't want to get anybody scared, but that's, that'd be kind of fun to see whatever, what is out there. Um, is, but it is motion activated. So if you're going in and out a lot, you're going to get a lot of alerts, but uh, we haven't put one in ours, but maybe we should. I and think I, I'd like one outside our house so I can see what's running past all night long. I, I'm all for causing, a bunch of them. Causing Bo to bark. Oh, yeah. He hasn't barked. Well, he was barking just before we started this, uh, this recording this. So mm-hmm. he probably will. All right. Uh, those are the questions. We would love to get your questions. And all you have to do is send us an email. Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. That'll get right to us. You can also send us a comment uh, with that. You can take your phone, your smartphone, send us a selfie and just send that video in with the, with you asking a question on video selfies. Uh, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. We would love to get your questions for uh, a future episode. All right, down to um, do some traveling. What's up next? It's time to check out the RV Spot of the Week with Mark Kep. Yeah, the Hidden Gem Campground. And uh, this week, Mark takes us to the state of... Kentucky. Kentucky. Hello, Mike and Jen. Hello, everybody. In today's episode of Hidden Gem Campgrounds, I'm going to take you to the state of Kentucky. And this campground is a U.S. Forest Service campground called Zilpo Campground, Z-I-L-P-O Campground. It is uh, east of Lexington, Kentucky. It's south of Interstate 64. It's located in access via a paved two-lane road that goes 11 miles off the main highway over to a peninsula that juts into Cave Run Lake. The campground itself is very large. Actually, it's eight loops spread out over a good distance, good spacing between the sites. It's a beautiful wooded setting. In fact, here's a tour kind of jumping through the campground right now so you can see the spacing in the sites. Let me go ahead and refresh this real fast. Bookings are available now. So if you're watching this right now, you can actually go in and make advanced bookings. Um, I'll actually set the dates to their parameters, which would be on April uh, I think it was April, I'll just put it at the end of April, so April 20th. I think they're April 18th or so, but I'll just set April 20th. We'll pull up the overhead map. You can see that we still have, people are actually starting to book some sites in here, but you have plenty of opportunities to book other sites. I actually jump out to some of these end sites here um, out near the peninsula. As you can see, uh, really shaded setting, 
The roads themselves are paved. The parking pads are paved or packed gravel, depending upon the site. Um, a little bit tight. The, the roads themselves inside the campground are not massive. If you're comfortable driving um, a larger RV in here, you definitely can fit some large RVs into these sites. They are angled to the road. Um, it's a US Forest Service campground. But there are um, electrical hookup sites in here. So there's, a, I think, about 30 electrical hookup sites available. The rest are, are non-hookups. So that's kind of nice in a Forest Service campground. It's located in a very quiet area. Obviously, there's nothing around it. A very scenic area. You've got some very nice tent camping pads, picnic tables, uh, spots to hang water and food, and overall a very unique location. So this is a hidden gem. It's another one of these examples of these great parks that are just outside of the normal, right? People are, if they're heading out east, they might not think of Kentucky. There's some great spots in Kentucky to go camping, great spots in this entire region to go camping. And here was one for you. Zilpo Campground, we'll have a link in the description below. So you can check out this campground for yourself. And if it works for you, go Go ahead and book it. So thank you, Mike and Jen. Back to you. Now, that's a really cool campground. And I, I, we go through Kentucky a lot. And it's just a little bit east of, of Lexington. So we'll put that on our bucket list of uh, things we want to do. Uh, thanks, Mark. If you want to check out that campground yourself, uh, go to Mark's site. It's campgroundviews.com. And actually, there's a special link that we, we will put in the description that's right to that specific campground at uh uh, campgroundviews.com. So you can click on that. It's in the show notes at rvlifestyle.com. And with that, this episode of the podcast comes to an end. Again, don't forget all that wealth of information that Mark uh, Polk shared with us in the interview of the week about winterizing. It's available in a transcript of that interview at rvlifestyle.com. Thank you guys so much for watching. Travel safe. We'll see you in a week. Happy trails.